Welcome to Fate's Wide Wheel, a Quantum Leap podcast with Sam and Dennis. We are coming to you from our top secret headquarters at Project Quantum Leap, but you can find us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Fate's Wide Wheel. And please do us a favor by hitting the subscribe button on iTunes. So, so it's funny is when I when I send you the message, like saying you wanna you wanna be a guest on there, and it took you like a day and a half to get back with me, and you wrote back like yes. Yes, I would. I couldn't tell if that was just like the way you wrote, or like you would actually watch the episode. And you're like, oh no, yes, I, I, I have things to I, say. I have thoughts. No, I um, when I saw a preview of this episode from the last one, I was like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, welcome everybody. We're here at Project Quantum Leap. It is Sam, Dennis, and we're joined once again by Christopher Stewart. We're uh, I'm back yet again. That's right. Uh, two in a row. Uh, we'll be talking about So Help Me God. Um, this is uh, written by Deborah Pratt and directed by Andy Cadiff. Uh, Cadiff? Uh, I could be massacring that last name. Sorry, Andy. Um, we're, uh, our leap date is July 29th, 1957, and Sam has leapt into Leonard Dancy. Uh, our air date, by the way, a little out of order here, was November 29th, 1989. Dennis, what's that TV guide tell us? Uh, the TV guide description is, Sam leaps into a southern courtroom in 1957 where he's a lawyer defending a black woman on trial for the murder of her white lover. Pretty straightforward. Uh, yeah. Right to the point. Yeah. Let's not make any puns or jokes out of, yeah, out of, uh, <laughs> out of that plot. Uh, and, and as uh, we closed out Jimmy, um, Sam has in- indeed leapt into a hot and sweaty courtroom. Oh, oh they are sweaty. They're so much sweat. Let's and, just say I lost 10 pounds just watching it. <laughs> I, I guess it is worth noting this uh, this particular episode was nominated for an Emmy for for artwork for oh, design nice. on the show. So I'm I'm wondering if 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 just the whole atmosphere of that is is tied into it. Well, one of the things that you know, just as a blanket statement for the whole episode, and and we talk about this sometimes. I almost feel like when we don't mention it, it's because fine, it's you know, it's TV, it's good. But sometimes, in particular this season, we've noticed a few episodes where the production values are extremely high. Uh, and I'm not going to say necessarily that the production values are super super high in this episode, but it, it, it's not that they're not super high. It's just that it's really quality. Like the, I mean, it looks good. It feels good. Everything feels right. The camera work is just on point. There's, mm-hmm. you know, there's some nice performances. There's just a lot, a lot to like about this uh, uh, episode in terms of the way it looks. So, so I can totally see that. Um, in addition to being introduced to uh, Sam standing there sweating, uh, we we also see uh, Delilah standing next to him. Uh, played by Tyra Farrell. Uh, we get to see the judge, Eugene, uh, who's played by William Shallard. Um, who, he is one of those character actors who yeah. is in everything. Uh, You've uh, seen I, him in something, yeah. Yeah, I looked, up, I looked at his IMDb page last, uh, yeah, just in everything, and he just passed away. He did, yeah, year. May 8th, 2016, mm-hmm. at the uh, ripe old age of 93. Mm-hmm. The last thing that he had done, and it's funny because we've actually talked about this show before, was Two Broke Girls. Oh, I saw that, yes. <laughs> By yes. the way, going off uh, Two Broke Girls, Kat yeah. Dennings, the yeah. brunette, yes. I want to have her children. <laughs> <laughs> fucking, oh, geez, you know I hope my girlfriend isn't hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> Don't. <laughs> you never know. Um, 
Uh, yeah, you know, and just done lots of stuff, obviously, uh, over the years. Been around since um, uh, 50s or 60s, I believe, here. Mm-hmm. Let's see, yeah, going all the way back to the 50s. Yes. Uh, lots of television. Um, you know, was really there for the, for the advent of television, honestly. Uh, actually, this will be kind of funny, considering where we get at some point in Quantum Leap. He was in Commando Cody, Sky Marshal of the Universe. Ooh. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's been doing television since television was television. Hey. Um, anyway, yeah. So so we're in a courtroom and a verdict uh, is 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 looking. The judge is looking for a verdict yeah. or a plea. A plea yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Not a verdict. We're not there yet. <clears throat> Whew. I'm not even hungover this week. So we're um, in the south, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any guesses as to where? Because I have. A couple of guesses. I, I wrote. Uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's a fictional, but I wrote it down at some point what town they were in because they do mention it. They do. Um, it, it is a parish. I do remember that. Um, it's somewhere here in my notes. We'll uh, we'll find it here in a bit. Yeah, we'll get there. Hmm. Uh, um, but yeah, we are in Louisiana. Yeah. Looking for the the plea, guilty or not guilty, mm-hmm. uh, and and of course as as we've come to expect, the intro scene is actually longer than the leap out scene. So that leap out scene had been edited a bit. Uh, there's a funny moment where Sam asks him to repeat, you know, what the, the mm-hmm. question was, uh, and of course everybody you know thinks he's he's making a joke or, or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and he shared this sort of intense look with Delilah, uh, and. They ask again for the plea, and Sam just immediately says, not guilty, mm. uh, for the plea of murder. Mm. Um, and everyone is shocked. For, for the murder of yeah. Houston Palmer Cotter. Which, there's a name for you. Yes. Houston yeah. Palmer And they say, with, I mean, the, the southern accents are so strong. Like, I thought they were saying Carter, and it wasn't until I like I looked up the notes on, on Wikipedia in the book that it's like, no, that it's Cotter. Cotter, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, we also, uh, in this scene, were briefly introduced to the captain. Yeah. Oh. So we should say, yeah, as soon as he says not guilty, the courtroom erupts. Yeah. Uh, because they, they had had a deal, and now the, the prosecuting attorney says, like, now instead of 20 years in prison, he's going for the electric chair. Yeah. And that's when we go into the opening credits, and then we come back into the come back into the courtroom. Right. Um, and, and at this point, you know, it's interesting, too, because Delilah, again, who's played by uh, Tyra Farrell, who also has uh, uh, quite a career here, um, you know, done lots of television, lots of film, especially recently, um, but uh, she's, you know, she's been working since the early 80s. Um, that face was recognizable, too. Yeah, yeah, it does say, you know, uh, um, she was, you know, in, in the uh, early 90s in particular, did a, did a string uh, of films, um, Boys in the Hood, Jungle Fever, ah. White Men Can't Jump. Oh, yes, I uh, definitely know. Poetic Justice. Uh, she was also a regular on ER uh, for the 1994 season. Um, or wait a minute, wait a minute. Was this the ER? No, okay, this was the actual ER, not the not the sitcom with George Clooney also was in, uh, with Elliot Gould. There was a sitcom ER that, no, wait, was I don't know. God, I'm all over the place today. I apologize, <laughs> listeners. Anyway, uh, yes, so she was also a regular on 30-something at one point. Um, but she, the interesting thing about this is that she doesn't look happy that he has just pled her not guilty mm-hmm. for murder. She looks like she would have rather just pled guilty and be done with yeah. it. Um, but, of course, her, her shock is nothing compared to the shock of the rest of the courtroom, and in particular... The captain. The captain, yeah. yes. So There's a moment opening. where one of my friends says a phrase where ladies fainted and men lost their monocles. 
Just about. That that sounds about right. Uh, so yeah, so we get to the opening credits, and I think when we come back, like they've already made their way into judges' chambers to to discuss the surprise, this wrench that Sam has thrown into yes. the works. Yes, because uh, the um, the other attorney. Um, yeah, and so the, yeah, so they're they're asking for an explanation. Like and the judge is is uh, he's as nicely as possible, like asking for him to explain why. And I love Sam's line: "Please God, let me say something legal." <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> which he says Miranda writes, which uh, that is of no help at all because Miranda didn't come around until. 66. I'm actually ashamed of myself that I didn't know that. There's actually there's actually a great movie uh, uh, about Miranda and, and about the the case and and uh, it's 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 actually fascinating as a television movie. I think I want to. It starred somebody. Um, uh, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Can okay. You? All right. Well. <laughs> so anyway. So. Um, and so basically, in the, in, the, in this first scene, like uh, Sam said, like he pled not he pled not guilty because he truly believes her to be not guilty. Yeah. And so the upshot of the scene is they are they are going to have a trial. Yeah, and he you know and, and, and Sam is, is is Sam's on fire pretty much this whole episode. Um, just not you know you've, you've you said know. before like on a previous episode uh, that you felt like the the weakness of one particular episode was that the episode happens to Sam like this yeah. is, this is. Definitely an episode where Sam happens yeah. to the episode. Yeah, absolutely, and 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 I think that that's true. And he and I think he puts the button on this scene in particular by you know the the, the prosecutor is just going off about how he's going to get the lecture, all this sort of stuff, and you know she's guilty, she's guilty, and and finally Sam just turns and looks at him and says, "You're going to have to prove it." And it's kind of like, all right, you know, right. Sam Sam's in this one to fight. Like he doesn't even know what the hell's going on yet, but he came to fight today. Absolutely, um, yeah. Which is which is cool. Absolutely. So uh, it, it is worth noting because this is a, a thing that constantly comes back during the scene. The judge implies that the reason why Leonard has had a change of heart is that either he is sleeping with Lila or he wants to. Wants to be, yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, the, the amount of times in this episode, uh, and I think that, it, you know, it's one of the wonderful things that Sam in this episode helps to stand for, but the number of times in this episode when... Delilah is reduced purely to a sexual object. Yes. Mm -hmm. That that's the only thing that she could possibly be good for. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, it's, I, I'm not going to say it's appalling because unfortunately it's nothing new, mm -hmm. but, uh, but it is, it's, it's, I mean, it's damn. The thing is like, like remembering some details about this episode, like I was expecting to go into the episode, like, like, you know, wondering if it, it, it would be, you know, problematic, not hold up to today's standards. Like while there are some, there are some harsh truths in this episode. It was like, like no, like it's representing it pretty, absolutely, pretty accurately. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to sit my young son down and, and watch this before he was like, you know, like twelve or thirteen, and we could have a frank conversation about stuff that was going on. I watched on. it when I was eight. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. I mean, yeah, I watched stuff when I was way too young. Yeah. Sure, sure. So yeah, but I agree. There's there's a mature there is a maturity about this episode uh, that I don't know. Again, we've seen some really good episodes recently, but I I, I would say that there's a, a certain maturity about this episode, even the language that gets used. Um, that I don't necessarily know that we've seen this season since Honeymoon Express. Sure. 
And, 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 and I think that the episode is, you know, is, is better for it, honestly, uh, mm-hmm. because it, it tackles the subject uh, matter with that with that maturity, as opposed to, you know, maybe using kid gloves or TV gloves. You mm-hmm. know, again, we've had some really great episodes, Jimmy Thou Shalt Not Included, which came right before this episode. But I think that this this one kind of raises the bar a little bit in terms of saying, like, you know, we can do things and and it not just be quantum leap good, mm-hmm. you know. Absolutely. And I will say where the, the previous episode that really dealt with race, color of truth, yes. like Sam kind of comes in with somewhat over-the-top naivete in regards to race, whereas this one, there's a particular line coming up in a future scene that I'll point out yeah. that it was like, nope, like he, like... I mean, you know, like he—he's taking on like like a like a big thing, like trying to prove her innocent. But like he like he is fully aware of the implications and everything that is. And you know, one on. of the things I noticed right off the bat is uh, when I found out they were in the South and it was hot. The first outdoor scene, I was like, "Where's the first Confederate flag? Where is it?" Uh, <laughs> not yeah, one. Really? Yeah. yeah. Not one Confederate flag. No. So what that says to me is. Some towns are more racist than others. <laughs> or, or they're good at keeping it under wraps. Well, mm. One of the things that's kind of, that was kind of interesting to me, too, though, uh, is that it's almost... There's this odd balance that gets struck, because you're right, there's no Confederate flags, but I'll be damned if the black women that we see in this particular episode aren't basically treated as though they were slaves. Much, yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, yeah. there's not... Like, they're... they're, they're you could have placed this episode in, in like, 1840, uh-huh. and yeah. with a few exceptions, I think, but, but yeah, I, I would have still been like, uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh, uh-huh, <laughs> because it's it's the, yeah. the way that they're treated, both Myrtle I, I will, and Delilah, yeah. You know, the, the, I, I, yeah, I will say that, because the fact, because, like, the, the conflict that, that comes from this episode is that Lila was planning to leave. Yeah. Uh, and, like, yeah, my first sense of thought was, like, she can do that. Right, and then I was like, "Oh, oh yes, we right. are, we are not, <laughs> we are we are not in the 1800s." She does have she does have freedom. She can't actually leave. Yeah, yeah, um, and, and I don't I don't know uh, how much of that was intentional on the director, sure. you know, and, and the writer's part. Um, but speaking of the writer, I mean, Deborah Pratt has has once again written just I think a sterling episode mm-hmm. um, across the board. The dialogue feels very natural. The characters yeah. are pretty well drawn. I think there's a couple of performances that are a little. Little, maybe over the top, um, but but the episode yeah. doesn't suffer for it at, at yeah. all um, because I think that as opposed to some episodes, like for instance, if we were to go back to um, uh, 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 oh god, the name's escaping me of the episode. You know, when he's trying to get back with Donna and he plays the professor. Starcross, Starcross. Thank you. Yeah. In Starcross, a lot of those. <laughs> <laughs> this was quantum leap twenty five thousand dollar pyramid. <laughs> yeah, I'm just I'm I, I sharpened my Sorry. pencil or something. But anyway, Sorry. I um I, I think that those performances that were over the top in that episode are often matched by other over the top performances or people trying to match the over the top performances. Whereas in this episode, there's a couple of people who are a little over the top, but everyone else is just existing within the world. The, the, yeah, there were a couple. Uh, yes, that I noted rewatching it, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to chalk that up to the direction. Yeah, not the actors, sure. but the direction. Uh, if they're big and over the top, eh, it's the director's job to pull them back a little bit. But hey, hey, why not? Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so where to, to get back into the to the show? So, uh, so yeah, they get back in. Sam says he's not done talking to his client. 
the sheriff said, you are until visiting hours tomorrow. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and so the captain comes up. Leonard, let me give you a rat home. Yeah, the captain. Yeah, the Played captain. Burn Piven. Oh. Born in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Resided in uh, Evanston, Illinois for quite a while. Uh, husband of Joyce Piven. There's a Piven Theater. I've worked with Joyce before, actually. Ah, I didn't make that Yeah, yeah. Like Father that. of, indeed, Jeremy Piven. Um, oh. So, yeah, yeah. All there right. you go. Connections drawn all over the place. All right. Um, but, uh, yes, the captain. He might as well be Big Daddy. Um. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, like, Sam has this great voiceover. It's like, yeah, he, he you know, his warm smile, friendly voice, but I didn't like him. Yeah. But I needed a ride because he obviously runs the town, and also I don't know where I live. Yeah, right. Yeah, which was a great, just a great little voiceover. I thought, you know, added, especially coming, you know, that early in the episode. It's like that idea that if this is the first episode that you've ever watched, you get so much information about. Sam right there mm-hmm. um, that you know I mean obviously you're going to get the traveling through time thing in the in the opening which like you were saying earlier Saga Cell please get you here just get here for, I'm, I'm not talking about the openings anymore just get here Saga Cell uh, so yeah so they uh, they are they are riding home the yeah. captain's Cadillac I do believe yep is his brand Mishugi, new Cadillac as Miss Shuggy points out oh she does later on uh, and we do, yeah, we do get a dropping of the of the end bomb. Yeah, yeah. yes, and then it, yeah. Wow. Yes, it does. Yeah. Um, and 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 this is kind of this is this is again where I feel like we're getting the Sam that we'll see through the rest of the show. Oh, absolutely. His, yeah. his disgust over hearing the word, mm-hmm. like, is is just it's that's that Sam. Yeah. You know, that's the guy who who is going to fight for what's right, and and just immediately shuts yeah. the captain down. Just lays in, yeah. yeah. You can call her this, you can call her this, but don't call her. Yeah, I absolutely. Do, like that's the epitome of how you're supposed to answer somebody who drops the hip on Like, don't you ever in your life say that in my presence or in anybody else's presence, dude? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. And 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 I think that. It's interesting because you can tell that Sam's even holding back. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He wants to even go further. Like it, his initial reaction is is one of like, I want to punch this guy in the uh, face, you know. Yes, but right, <laughs> yeah. But I'm gonna, I'm just gonna let him know how I feel, and, mm-hmm. I, and we'll move past it and on to mm-hmm. what's next. Mm-hmm. Um, but the captain's not. Yeah, captain. Once again, the captain suggests that Leonard must be. Sleeping or want to sleep, and he, and he oh. talks about his own, yeah, like how how he's enjoyed watching, you know, watching her scrub over. the floors. Yeah, yeah. yeah just, it was just creepy. It was. Mm-hmm. It was. It was gross, quite frankly. And 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 I think the reason why I felt so disgusted by it is because of how true it. It is. It was. You know what I mean? Oh, God, yeah. There's nothing about this that felt, again, there was no over-the-top quality to this. It was just like, yep, there are people like that. Mm -hmm. And I need to take a shower now. And just unapologetic about it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I know you've noticed that. And I'm just, uh, uh, it just made my skin crawl. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Uh, yeah. So at the, uh, so at the end of the card ride, which is funny, like, 
the captain pulls up for the house. They stop and Sam's basically like, "Why are we stopping?" Like, "You're home." <laughs> yeah. Well, and and the other thing is, is that it also, you know, we, we learn that the captain is indeed the father of the murdered Houston. Yes. Yeah, that's important uh, to know. Yeah. And that they they had come to this agreement, like him and Leonard had come to this agreement before Sam leaped in. Right. And that um, and that he and Houston had been friends. Um, before Leonard had been friends, that the, that the captain basically was ensuring that Leonard still had a job as a lawyer, um, and that they agreed to this plea because they wanted to save his wife, Miss Sadie, from the trial. Yes. Um, of course, Sam doesn't care. Yeah. <laughs> Sam's like, no, all right, that's good, but you know, now the game's changed because I'm here. So thanks for the ride. I'll see you later. Absolutely. And now we get introduced to uh, Miss Shuggy. Yeah. Oh dear God. Mm. Is this one of the over the top? Oh yeah, you she's terrible. Uh, you know, this is one like no. I'm gonna I'm gonna chalk it up to the direction, and 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 yeah. Sure. I, I, I think she works because she is she is so over the top. She's clearly a southern social life. I can guarantee you she's a debutante. Yeah, Almost no. Positive. Well, and the thing is, is like now, you know, as we're saying this, like, I, I, I have to admit that I have, I have known, I have known that person, so I so, can't, yeah. I can't really. I think, like, like talk about being a, a socialite and a social climber, like, we did talk about this, but in the first scene, we got an extended mirror shot of, of Sam and what Leonard looks like. He is not... Oh yeah, he, he is not really an attractive man <laughs> That's right. by any means. Carrying some extra pounds, a yeah. Thick in the middle. So, so when you picture got Leonard standing next to Miss Shuggy, sure. like, you you got to think that she is with him, not because of his looks. Right, right. And Leonard has probably got to be proud of himself for mm-hmm. getting such a catch. Mm-hmm. I guess. Um, so, but she does drop a lot of exposition. She does give us lots of information. Yeah, uh, true. In there, that it, it was referenced, I think. Uh, no, no, this comes reference later, but I think she's the first one to mention that, yeah, Houston took Lila to bed, Yeah, to put it nicely, when when she was 14, oh. um, and, and, yeah. Yeah, and also lets us know that, you know, again, that she is a social climber, she wants to get into the country club, she's so happy that Leonard was seen driving with the captain uh, in his yeah. brand new Cadillac, yeah. that she's going to make him his favorite pecan pie, and then later on he can play Red, Red Butler. Butler. yeah. <laughs> oh, I don't know about you guys, but that turned me off. <laughs> that, was, that was I was watching this with with Betsy, my wife, last night, and I'm like, "Will you let me play Rep Butler?" And she's like, "Frankly, my dear, no." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I do love though that the thought of her climbing ever farther up the social ladder, yeah, just turns her the fuck off. Right? Yeah. Woo! Like that's what gets her going. That's oh. the, like that's her her goal in life. And now that she sees Leonard making headway, she's like, "All right, here we go." I, yeah. yeah, I'm Shuggy, and you're getting sugar. You know, like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, literally and figuratively. Yes, she's making a pecan right. pie. So. She is. Yeah. <laughs> and I love how she refers to herself in the third person. We talk about Shuggy. We are gonna be famous. Uh, oh, famous in what? Yeah, I know, right? Like, yeah. For what purpose? Uh, um, so anyway, so we transitioned to uh, the next morning with voiceover from Sam saying that he, he stayed up until until three o'clock in the morning, basically studying, yes. uh, trying to do whatever he could to prepare himself as much as possible. And then the voiceover is like he he felt like he was a. Uh, all he knew about the law was from a from a TV drama that he couldn't even he remember. couldn't even remember. And that's when Al appears and says Perry Mason. It's and Perry Sam's Mason. like, hey, ah. that's it. 
Uh, so, so quick, ahead. quick, two quick things because I definitely want to talk just a little bit about Perry Mason. But I also wanted to mention that the film I was talking about earlier uh, about the Miranda rights is actually not about the Miranda rights specifically. It's called Gideon's Trumpet, and it's about uh, the Gideon versus Wainwright case, which uh, went to the Supreme Court, and it, it did actually have a play on the Miranda rights, but it was before the Miranda rights, and it basically meant that it ensured that the defendant had the right to an attorney. Um, because prior to that, the defendant did not necessarily have a right to an attorney. They had a right for representation, but if they couldn't find an attorney, then they had to do it themselves, etc. that sort of thing. So this ensured that the defendant had a right to an attorney, and then the Miranda rights, of course, would come out of that with, you had to be informed of your rights. Mm. Um, and, and so anyway, the Gideon movie, Gideon's Trumpet, it starred Henry Fonda, and it was a television movie. It was one of the last things he did, and I just thought it was really fascinating. Henry Fonda did this television movie, but it's fantastic, and he's incredible in it. He um, did, I feel like he did a couple of TV movies towards the end of his He career. did, yeah. Right before on Golden Pond, he did this. He did The Oldest Living Graduate, um, and then he was in Roots the Next Generation. Um, and there were a couple of other things, but those were kind of the, the big ones. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, Perry Mason. Mm-hmm. So I have uh, an affinity and useless knowledge bank of Perry Mason trivia <laughs> just because... Join us for the Perry Mason podcast. <laughs> <laughs> From the Face Fighting Wheel podcast yes. network. <laughs> uh, growing up, my grandparents loved it. Uh, my, my my dad's parents specifically. I did too. My dad loved it. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, my I, mom watched it. Yeah. So watching the reruns, the black and white, the original TV show, watching the the movies, the TV movies of which there were thirty ish, yeah. you know, or more. Um, uh, and so I didn't know this until looking this up last night. This Perry Mason was the first hour long drama made for TV. Get out. Yeah. And it oh. debuted. A couple of months after this episode takes place. Yeah, September 21st, 1957. Uh, of course, based on the detective fiction by Earl Stanley Gardner. Um, the first uh, novel actually came out in 1933. Uh, the Case of the Velvet Claws, uh, which I have actually read. <laughs> uh, yeah, and it is worth noting, uh, noting by way of foreshadowing is that the typical formula of every Perry Mason episode, he was a defense attorney, Somebody was more uh, more likely than not on trial for murder. Uh, in the process of trying to uh, defend them, him and his team, Paul Drake, Della Street, I think those were the characters' yes. names, yep. uh, they would go out and do some investigating, and usually the episode would end with Perry Mason getting somebody else up on the stand, and in the process of they would end up questioning them, yeah. they would end up confessing to the murder. Absolutely. Um, I'm and, just going to put that out there. You know, and, and one of the things, too, that's notable about it, it, it was, it was not only was it popular, but it was also critically lauded at the time. It got mm-hmm. uh, Emmys for Best Show. Uh, uh, Raymond Burr picked up a couple of Emmys. Um, Barbara Hale picked up an Emmy for playing mm-hmm. Down the Street. I mean, there, were, there was a, a lot... To, to love about it uh, back in the day, and, and you know, and honestly, like in some ways, it, it, I would say that there are definitely going to be some social things that you will notice that mm-hmm. certainly don't hold true today because it was a show that was made in the fifties. For sure, um, but uh, uh, but just you know, speaking as dramatic television, you know, it actually holds up. The, the movies, mm-hmm. yeah, but sure. Yeah. <laughs> speaking of uh, and a bit of trivia that I found last night in two thousand fourteen. Netflix yeah. viewers voted Raymond Burr as their favorite actor. Yeah. 
Which is kind of priceless because I don't know that Perry Mason is on Netflix. It's not. Yeah. I, I was gonna because yeah, at one point last night because this is when I was watching the episode I thought about like oh, is there a Perry Mason episode like I'll go watch right. Perry Mason and then and yeah, scouring the depths of Netflix and, and <laughs> not coming to contact with Perry. But it it, it, it could have been on at one point and then right right I'm sure now it's on that you know just absolutely groundbreaking innovative streaming service called CBS All Access. <laughs> <laughs> Let me insert toilet flushing noise here. By the way, uh, by the way, I still have not seen the second half of the first episode of Star Trek. Uh, I have, I have not. I'm gonna wait for it to come out on Blu-ray. You're, you're then, that, yeah, that I'm just gonna buy. It was great. Yeah, look, I, that that show, the, the the arc of that show, in my opinion, was that first episode was was pretty great, and then things for the most part just got worse as the the, the first half of the season went on. I heard. That the new episode that came out was was rather good. Um, they're in the mirror universe now and, and stuff. So whatever, good for them. I just, I just, yeah. you know, you I, know what my favorite Star Trek series this was, the Orville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I haven't watched it yet. I might, yeah. I might. We'll see. I'm a, yeah. I'm a DS9 guy, and I always will be. Yeah. But anyway, anyway. Um, uh, so, so uh, Sam is Perry Mason. Mason. Yeah, Sam is Perry Mason. <laughs> Al shows up. We get some uh, some comedic dialogue talking about Leonard in the future in the waiting room. He thinks he's been abducted by aliens. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm a lawyer. Take me to, take your, me to your. I'm a lawyer. Take me to your leader. <laughs> yeah. uh, it is worth noting that somewhere in some trivia book, somewhere along the way, that uh, Don Belisario he, he did kind of consciously like make this creative choice of, of having the person in the waiting room in the future with like the Swiss cheese memory. It's like if you look back historically, like around the 1950s is when people started reporting out-of-body experiences and being abducted by aliens. Yeah. And he, somewhere along the way, he's like, like, like no, those weren't alien abductions. Like, that, those were Sam. Those were elite. Those were Sam leaping oh, into people. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, and Al, you know, the funny thing about this is that Al goes on to inform Sam that the reason he's there is to make sure that Lila gets the plea bargain deal and she's out of jail in 10 years. And Sam's years. like, yeah. and said, no, well, but, but it was supposed to be a 20 year deal, but she got out in 10 years. I think is what oh, he says. Okay. Got it. I think that's what he says. Okay. Anyway. Uh, it, but that was the best possible outcome to which Sam says, ball dropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About, uh, about that. Yes, and so uh, and so they have this discussion. Like, like I was like, why'd you do that? Like, I looked into her eyes and I knew that that she was innocent, which yeah. is just beautifully touching. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that's kind of interesting too is that Sam, and, and this is a bit of a dramatic leap, but I'll allow it. Um, is that Sam, you know, argues with Al about, uh, you know, that the reason why he did it is because he knows how bigoted this town is and he just can't imagine that they would want to show her mercy. And so that he's, you know, this is like, there must be something else going on here. Yeah. Um, See, that's the line that I loved that he drops out. It was like, like, no, you think if she actually murdered this guy, like they would let her get off with a plea bargain? Ah, yeah. That there's something going on. I'm getting to the bottom of it. That's why I was like, yes, like, right, yeah. No, no. Again, like I, I, I yeah. don't have. A problem to me, like that's it. the line where, like, whereas, like, color of truth, Sam was like kind of naive to stuff. Like this was like, no, no. He gets it right away. Yeah. Well, and one of the things too that that I would certainly argue is at this point, like, we're starting to we're starting to sense that Sam is a little bit more seasoned as a leaper now too. Mm-hmm. You know, like he's 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 a little bit more proactive. He's got a little bit more agency. Whereas beforehand, you know, he, it was he was always waiting for Al to tell him what to do. He was always trying to figure out what the hell was going on around him. This time, he just is like, 
I'm here. Right. I know that I've got things to do. I'm gonna do them. Like, yeah. let's go. And and and, and I, I really appreciate that. So no, I don't have a problem with it. I just think that it's like for the purposes of television, like we get this this mode of, like something else going on here, and I'm yeah. gonna figure it out. You know, absolutely. Um, but yeah, and and uh, it, like you said, he says the thing about Lila's eyes. The you know that that he he couldn't believe that she did it based on what he saw in there. So, mm-hmm. And this may be worth noting, we were talking about this off mic before, and it's mentioned in uh, Matt Dale's book, that at the time they shot this episode, they didn't know if they were going to pick up for another season. Yeah. And and Scott Bakula was doing such a good performance during this episode that Deborah Pratt was like, if we get canceled, I'm just going to write a show for you to be a lawyer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, I would love for you to just play Leonard. Like, you can just be Leonard, and we'll write a show about Leonard, and what yeah. happens to him after. The thing is, like, the, the, the series that Scott Bakula was on previous to this, he was a lawyer. Yeah. Eisenhower and Lutz, it was like a sitcom and lasted like 13 episodes. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway. But, uh, you know, and it's interesting, too, is we do get the information here that law was not one of Sam's seven degrees. Yes, earlier, yeah. yeah. Uh, six degrees. They kind of, uh, throughout the series, they kind of go back and forth between six or seven degrees. Goes up and down. But, yeah. Sure. But, yeah. But law was not, law was not one of them. Yeah. Uh, so, anyway, so now he is visiting Delilah and holding well, but before he gets there, there's this really cool moment where they won't let him, and so it's like, well, I'll call my superior, so he goes to call his superior, and then finally Sam grabs the phone from the guy and yells into it, like, if, Oh, no, that's, you know, the, uh, that's the next scene. That's, yeah, that's what you just said, he's visiting Lila. No, 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 the next scene, he's not going to see her, he's going to get paperwork. Oh, right, right, yeah. right. Well, yeah. you just said he was going to visit Lila, that's why I said that, yeah, he couldn't, because he's not going to visit Lila. No, he's no, going no. to get, no, he's not. That doesn't happen now. I will bet you five American dollars. <laughs> no, that's uh, not what happens here. What happens here is when he goes to get more information about the case, he needs more. He, he has he's missing research. He's got to go get more files because the research that he had didn't cut it. Ah, see, I I think it's reversed. I think he goes to visit Lila, and after this, like he realizes he he needs because this is where in, in the scene where he visits Lila, he gets the information drop that she had signed a confession. So after the scene, he goes to the sheriff's to get a copy of said confession. No, because he goes to get a copy of the coroner's report. Not the confession. confession. Okay. So I don't think that's where that, I don't think that's where that happens. Okay. This scene was the fat bailiff sweating his balls off. The scene where, where the scene Come where in. Sam goes in to get the, the right. coroner's report. So so for the sake of the argument, so he visits Delilah, and basically in that we we get the drop that she had signed a confession. And, and basically Sam asks, like, why did you sign a confession when you didn't do it? And at this point, Lila is still holding to the fact that she doesn't come out and says she committed the murder, but there's a line where Sam says that she's innocent, and she says, uh, I haven't been innocent. I don't, I don't think she... Like, she says, like, I ain't been innocent since I was a teenager or since I was 14. Basically, like, she's taken on the thing, like, as soon as uh, Houston raped her yeah. for the first time like 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 she wasn't innocent anymore and that like took away like basically like do you guys think that everybody knows that Houston raped her <sighs> you know here's the thing I, I, think, I, I feel like it was one of those like one of those like yes like the, the quiet secrets of the town like at a point at one point like later on in the episode she says was it rape? Okay, the first time it was rape. But then it was like, she says something very telling. She says, the first time it was rape, but after that, he was in love with me. Yeah. Well, Which has nothing to do with her consent. No, no. no. And I, 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 but I, I, do, I do think it was an open secret that, that yes. 
I would I I would agree and disagree at the same time. And the reason why I say that is is I think that everyone knew. I don't think anyone else in that town, with the exception maybe of Myrtle and maybe Miss Sadie, would have considered it rape. They would have just been like, "Nah, Houston's just doing his thing." Damn, that's like, I just up. yes, it is. Mm-hmm. But I don't think anybody else would have been like, "Yeah, Houston raped that girl." No, no, no. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know what I mean? I, like, I totally, <laughs> I totally agree with that. But I think the question that I was answering is that because it, it's established that that yeah, he 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 raped her at fourteen, and right. then like there was this weird. You know, you know, after that point, what relationship? Yeah, but but the fact that whatever you call it, like 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 rape, sleeping together, relationship, I think the town knew that yes. this was happening. Yes, though it was never going to come of anything because of race. Right. So everybody knew about it. And their response to it is, well, she's just a black whore. Yeah. And that's yeah, literally what they out. call her. Yeah. yeah. Colored, I mean, colored whores. Yeah. yeah they I they dropped that. Yeah, I get. And that's, and, and, and I think that, that, frankly, that's one of the things that adds a little bit to the maturity of the episodes because the amount of times that she gets called a whore in this episode, like, Woo! if I had a dollar, I could pay you for losing that bet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, if, you, if it was a drinking game, we would have we wouldn't have made it through the episode. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, yeah, I, yeah. But so 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 from the scene, we get that uh, that in, in her mind, yes, the first time it was rape, but then after that, for all intents and purposes, she considered it a consensual well, relationship. Yeah, because she actually like in some of the dialogue, it almost seems that she is taking responsibility, but not in the way that I think you hear a lot on television, like, you know, rape victims saying, like, it was my fault because I did this. She's taking responsibility because it... I think for for her to deal with it, she has to be able to say that she wanted it because she knew it would give her power over him. And, and, and I don't think that that's true at all, but I think that that's what she's created in her head, and that's what some of the dialogue, I mean, the dialogue basically explicitly says, like, you know, I could do whatever I wanted to, you know what I mean? Like, so so I think mm-hmm. that for her, um, yeah, she has, she's kind of created this scenario in her head where she had power over Houston, and that, that made it okay, mm-hmm. in spite of the fact that she never consented to this relationship, mm-hmm. you know, certainly not the first time. And because of the, the dynamic that existed, how could she ever, ever give consent, really? Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I was say, yeah, we are three dudes talking about rape. <laughs> so if we ever say anything in this conversation that comes across insensitive, uh, please chalk it up to ignorance and sensitivity and, and yeah. trying to struggle to find the right words and, and not and not malice. And feel free to call us out on it, but uh-huh. also bear in mind that we're not horrible people, that we're yeah. human yeah. beings. Yeah, send them a Facebook wheel, Instagram, Facebook. But, but yeah. Uh, but in, 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 in this scene, like, she calls herself a modern-day witch. Yes. And that she, she doesn't she doesn't want to stand trial. She had gotten used to the idea of being in prison for 20 years, and now she'll get used to the idea of being electrocuted in the electric chair. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because she... I don't know that she has the awareness, but when she compares herself to a witch or compares herself to the Christians, or she's comparing herself basically to people who are like martyred. And I think the thing that's fascinating about this is that the viewer 
can look at it and be like, well, yeah, if she were to wrongly be put to death for this out of those circumstances, she would absolutely be some sort of like modern day martyr for social justice and equality. And, you know, but within the context of the episode, it would be so meaningless because no one would, no one would think that, you Mm -hmm. know what I mean? But I think it's interesting that those are the parallels that she herself draws, Mm -hmm. you know, between being a witch, you know, bird of the stake or being a Christian thrown to the lions or, you know, so I just think, I find that really interesting and I, you know, kudos to Deborah Pratt for adding that extra layer on there, especially for the character. And that's the other thing too, like, I mean, Tyra Farrell's great in this episode. Like she, I think she just does a great job and she, breaks my damn heart at the end of the episode, but we'll get there. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love at the end of this line where she she's done talking with Sam, she's ready to go, she pounds on the door, and the bailiff opens her like like, damn it, Delilah, I was right outside. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I love her line, I don't know why. I think it's it's more it's more the delivery of the line than, than her line is like, I know where you are. Yeah. I know exactly where everybody is. Yeah. That yeah. was a good one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so now uh, we, we get to to the sheriff's office, which may or may not have been before the same. Uh, but anyway, this is what he wants to copy of the the confession, the coroner's report, and and uh, I, I don't know this character's name. I'm going to call him Sheriff Lobo because that's what Sam calls him, which is a great mm. reference that like it goes by so fast. I'm like, did he just cut? Do you guys know who Sheriff Lobo no. is? It was a uh, TV series that ran from 1979 to 1981 on NBC. Um, it was a spinoff of uh, another show called BJ and the Bear and Sheriff Lobo was a sheriff in Georgia and he was kind of a dirty cop but I guess he was a dirty cop in a fun loving lovable way that that he was still basically a good guy but he was still a dirty corrupt cop ah Uh, so kudos to to Sam for that for that reference yeah uh but I, I do love there's a moment in this scene where, where Sheriff Lobo is telling him he doesn't have the right to have all this paperwork. And at this point, the sheriff has his back turned to Sam, and Sam has a line like, I'm a defense counsel, of course I have a right, but there's just a moment on Scott Bakula's face where he's like, do, do, do I, I have a right? Do I have the right? Maybe. So eventually they call uh, Bo, which is the Wait, prosecuting before attorney. Before we get there, do you guys remember the part where he's by the uh, fed? And he lifts his oh. arm, and then there's the biggest sweat stain. Yeah, right there, yeah. Oh, yeah. I was watching that with my girlfriend, who was instantly like, "I cannot watch the same." <laughs> I mean, you know, there does, there does. The thought enters the mind of how these rooms smell. That's right. <laughs> you know? That's right. I, 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 I never imagine how it smells. I, I had a history. I had a history teacher of mine. I probably would have been about. 11 or 12 maybe and we were talking about the Declaration of Independence and you know we're all jazzed to be learning about the Declaration of Independence and and all this and at one point she just puts down the book and she looks at us all and she goes guys I want you to think about this for a moment it's 1776 Uh it's the summer Uh there's no air conditioning a room you know like 50 dudes sweating that room smelled off. These guys stank as they signed the declaration. <laughs> and so now that's like, that's just in my brain. Just, embedded. Because yeah. I, I thought forever. about stuff like that before, but like, then you, you didn't know anything else. Right. When it was hot, you sweat, you smelled, and yeah. that was just uh, a fact of life. Yeah. Yeah, no one cared. Um, but anyway, uh, Sheriff so, Dixon, by the way. Yeah, Sheriff, Sheriff yeah, so Sheriff uh, Dixon calls Bo. Uh, 
Bo uh, or, or Sam grabs the, the phone, which I don't know what model phone. I call it the Andy Griffith Show phone because sure. that's, that's the phone that they all use on that show. Uh, you know, basically says, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna do everything in my power legally if you don't give me this uh, paperwork. Well, yeah, I mean, he, he says that uh, he'll have all the evidence subpoenaed and he'll charge them both with obstruction of justice. That's it. Yeah, and that's the thing that like I, I just love that because he's. You know, again, he's taking charge, and sure. he's just like, no, you know, I'm, I'm going to get what I want, and and you know, do what I need to do to do that. Yeah. Uh, and it's great because as the sheriff, the sheriff's ready to just be like, oh, I'm sorry about that, and you can just tell on the other end of the line that the other guy's like, give him whatever he wants, just do whatever that man wants sure. right yeah. away. Uh-huh. Yeah. We don't need that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, uh, do it. Yeah. Yeah. I love uh, the sheriff Dixon. Yeah. The, the turn that he has. Yeah, like just his face. Like yeah. all of a sudden he's like, because he's so cocksure first, he's just going to be like, all right, I'll tell him to get out of here. Don't you worry about it. Oh, you want me to do what? <laughs> <laughs> and I love the line earlier, the first thing where he gets out of the look, Oh, yeah, you know I'm going to be there. I'm going to bring me right. a, I'm going to bring me a pecan pie. And, oh, yeah. Man, pecan pie must have been just delicious. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. Wow. It still is, kid, man. Yeah. I'll give you one right now. Um, anyway. Uh, and so, Sam, of course, is very happy that you know Perry Mason. Oh, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so now we are at uh, the Cotter's house, and I made a note, like in the in the voiceover transitions from this scene, uh, from the previous scene to this one. Like Sam gives us a lot of information, like what we found out, like in the in the confession. Like you know what had happened was like officially, the story was is that for years Lila had been throwing herself in Houston and finally Houston couldn't take it anymore and he officially like cut her off said there was not going to be a relationship and when that happened Lila flew into a rage and blew his face off with a shotgun yeah and I think again going back to the scenes that we have with Lila there is this undercurrent of that she's bought into all of this not that she's the one that killed him Maybe she did. Maybe she didn't. We'll get there. But but I think that there's this undercurrent of like she has been pushed down so much and abused so much that there is a part of her that has just kind of bought into this idea that it's her fault that Houston was so attracted to her. Yeah. Not that she was Absolutely. literally throwing herself yeah. at him, but yeah. that, that she that 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 yeah that she's guilty of, yeah. of being who she is and that you know Houston couldn't keep his hands off of her. Yeah. And it's like, God, man. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh. <laughs> and then, as as we get to the Catton's house, we're about to meet a character who we think is going to be one of the few sympathetic characters that we meet, mm-hmm. and that gets turned on its ear, too. Yeah. But anyway. Anyway, so yeah. Back up there, so we meet Miss Sadie. Ah, we do indeed. indeed. Yeah, that's not the one I was talking about. Just for the record. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, we, so we meet uh, Miss Sadie, and she—you can tell she's a little bit touched. She is not. She is not quite hinged to reality. Um, we do get the information dropped that she hasn't seen uh, Leonard since uh, Leonard and Houston got into a fight in high school. Apparently, Houston beat Leonard up. Yeah. Huh. And that Sadie always took Leonard's side on that. Oh, yeah, yeah. I always told him he was wrong for that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but Sam is there to see Myrtle. And I say, like, well, she's around back. And uh, don't go tripping over what, what flowers. Oh, it's, I don't know. Just don't get stepping in my flower beds or something. Yeah, like so, like, that, I, I can't remember it was Calories. Calories. It was Calories. It was Calories. Yes. Pepper Pratt's favorite flower. Yes, and she injects it into her. Yeah. 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 Uh, the Calories and, yeah. Yeah, and like as Sam is leaving that scene, like he like you can tell like Miss Sadie's a little bit 
Yes. So a little bit, little bit touch. Well, one of the things, because when Jess was watching with me last night, um, one of the things that we talked about more towards the end, but I think it's evident in this episode, whether she is... I don't think that this is always who Miss Sadie is. Like, I don't think, I don't think that this is who Miss Sadie was before her son died. I think that this is Miss Sadie either in shock, put on oh. some sort of drugs... Maybe maybe taking a little drink. Yeah, exactly. Like I don't think that this is who Miss Sadie was five years ago. Yes, I would agree with that. Yeah, yeah. Um, It's a mix of all of those things. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. So she's like, you know, go around, don't step on my calla lilies. Mm -hmm. And this is when we meet Myrtle, who again, like, I just, I, I know intellectually, I know that she is is a is a paid. You know, made or whatever, but you just cannot escape the idea that there is so little separation in what this situation would have been like a mm-hmm. hundred years prior absolutely. to this episode setting. And right, you know, next to none. I would yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. Um, uh, so in this scene, they're talking, and she swears she doesn't know anything. That she had just heard the fight. She had heard the shotgun go off. Um, she goes into graphic detail about going into the room uh, afterwards and, and finding Houston laying on the floor with no face. No face, yeah. Uh, laying on... And it, it, it's it, it, it just an absurd line, but I'm sure, you know, this is how people talk, but she points out that she was laying on Miss Sadie's imported rug. Yeah! yeah. Not, like, yeah. the qualifier, the imported rug. Yeah. Well, and the thing that the thing that Myrtle also gives us, which, I, again, I don't think is something that we didn't know ahead of time, is that this was not any sort of consensual relationship. No. You know, that Houston had, had literally, you know, forced himself upon her when she was 14 years old, mm. had continued that the whole time. Yeah. You know, that, that there had, that, that, I mean, clearly there had been some abuse, um, uh, you know, yeah. even beyond the sexual component of that. Yeah. Um, Do we ever get established what Houston's age was you know we don't but the funny thing about that is is he would have to be about the same age as Leonard if they went to school together and you get right. the idea that Leonard's kind of like Leonard's like in his 30s if not older really he kind of he kind of he kind of struck me as more like in his mid to late 20s okay i would uh, buy that i just i just figure like I, I, I just figure i just figure uh, yeah cuz but the mirror image the mirror image but i always figure like like people like like they just age and look a little bit Older than what people tend sure. to look like now. Sure. Uh, but the, I, re- the reason I ask is I I, uh, I always felt like Houston was like maybe four to five years older than uh, Lila. Than Lila. I could see that. I could absolutely see that. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I and I don't disagree with you. It's just that again, because of the mirror image. Yeah. It was hard for me to think of him as being in his mid to late twenties. Yeah. But I agree that that's probably I, the I, age that he's supposed to be. For sure. And I, and I guess it, it always struck me as like, I just always assumed that Houston had to be in his late teens or early adulthood because he still lived at home. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that, that again, that, that whole, I don't going have, yeah. to that Southern culture and everything though, and especially with that type of home that they had and all that. Sure. I mean, it would not have been out of the question for him to live with that home until he got married. Yeah. Like he never would have yeah, lived on true. his own. He never would have lived on his own. Okay. So. Mama Sadie wouldn't have let him. Yeah. <laughs> he could also have been a useless piece of shit. Well. And, well, yeah. I think there's that. For, for sure. Yeah. yeah. 
Anyway. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we like I said, we get we get a reinforced then that that yeah Houston started raping her at the age of fourteen. Yeah. And that when the argument that, that they had got heated, like he started to hit her and beat right. her, and so that and that Sam gets all excited. And he's like, "That means that Lila shot him in self defense, and you know, it wasn't premeditated. It, you know, she may go to prison, but it won't be the electric chair." Exactly. And then and that's when you know Sam's like, "This is great. I've got my witness. Everything will be fine." And then Myrtle just this is when this is again we meet a sympathetic character and she turns it on the ear and I couldn't help but be a little pissed because she's like I won't swear on no bible uh, and it's like Myrtle what the fuck what? Yeah. yeah what are you doing come mm-hmm. on and I mean I, I totally get it in the context of the episode yeah. but as a viewer there's just that moment where you're like no <laughs> why Myrtle why and I'm thinking to myself when I'm watching this back in those days people were God fearing yeah. why wouldn't she want to swear on the bible well, I think that we, that's, we will come to that yeah. uh, later on. So, uh, so speaking of, this is why I made the note. We are in Twelve Oaks Parish Court. Ah, there you that's go. Where we're at. Yeah. So we're in the the, the courtroom the next day, where uh, uh, it, it basically uh, the trial is about to start, and Sam is not prepared at all. No, because basically he's waiting on Al to come and help up, and Al hasn't showed up. So they go to break. Al eventually comes back, and I made a note like that outfit that Al is in, and this one, like oh, such a great, such this a great is outfit. The first outfit Al has worn that I thought to myself, he looks pretty goddamn sharp. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. I would wear that on a Saturday night, absolutely. Yeah, no, I wouldn't wear that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, Al. Get Sam to like, and Sam is following Al blindly. Like, can I can I approach the bench? And like, yeah, sure. And I ask mm-hmm. your worship. Sam repeats your worship to the right, judge right, right. himself. Basically, you know, he he asks that he needs to get into the judge's chambers because his fly is open. Yeah. So basically, it's it's, it's a stall tactic. But uh, yeah, I love uh, the judge's line. Can't expect a man to plead a case with his fly open. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so now they're in uh, judge's chambers. This is where we find out that not one of. Uh, the six degrees that Sam has is in the law because he asked, like, am I a lawyer? Was I a lawyer? Um, and then we get more like reaffirming, like, uh, Al, Al, Al just thinks it's very admirable that, that Sam could look into the, Lila's eyes and, and, and know the truth. And So yeah, and so Al says that they've researched the case and they're going to put on a hell of a thing, beginning with the jury. And this yes. is a moment, like, back in the courtroom, like, it's a great, like, like little twist, like, little little jab that, that, that Sam takes, but at the end of it, I'm like, what did you think you were accomplishing with this? Well, I, you know, but, uh, yeah, but I love it, though. I love it. I but, love but, it. But after it, I'm like, what, you, you just pissed everybody off. You didn't... Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, I think it's a wonderful way to put everybody in their place and remind them what they're there to do, mm-hmm. you know? Like, the idea that, that it's just sort of like, you, you know, you can sit there and you can be indignant and pissed off all you want, but at the end of the day, you better damn well treat her as an equal. Mm-hmm. And maybe Sam wasn't thinking this far ahead, but, I mean, easily, you know, yeah. this trial or, you know what I mean? Like, there's all sorts of things that he could have conjured up out mm-hmm. of that one instance. So, yeah. uh, so basically, if you're listening to this episode and haven't watched the episode in a while, what Sam does is it's make the argument that the, the jury is tainted, basically, because they're all white and Lila is black, there needs to be at least one black juror to be a jury of her peers, truly, and then the judge acknowledges that, but also there's not one registered black voter in all of 12 Oaks, so how is he going to do that? And then Sam's like, well, we have to reluctantly accept 
this jury as Lila's peers. Yeah. Uh, which causes everybody in the courtroom to clutch their pearls. Yes, uh, yes, indeed. <laughs> oh my god! Uh-huh. And, and drop their monocles. Yes, and, yes. And I love. And so, like, then we get into a montage of the prosecution making their case, yeah. and, and and everybody telling the story. And I love uh, the line that Sam has. It, it was like it was so. It was such a warped version of reality of the story that he's heard. He has the line like, "It's like watching the same play but put on by a different director." Mm-hmm. So yeah, and then so we get. To the alleged confession, yes. Uh, Sam wants to put Lila on the stand. She won't go on the stand as a workaround. She's like, "Well, at least read the confession and make sure that this is what you said." And then we get the the information drop that Lila can't read. Yeah, Lila. which you know, I, and conjures up so many things. Chief among them, how the hell could she sign her name? You know what I mean? She mm-hmm. can't read. How she could sign her name? How could she sign her name to something that she would have to read in order to sign her name to? You know, it's like, there's so much wrong with it right then and there mm-hmm. that you know any 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 judge worth the salt would just be like, well, this is inadmissible. Yeah. But obviously, it's deep that South in the 1950s, and she's black, so absolutely. You know. It's it's a tangent. I remember seeing. I feel like it was in a western or something somewhere. Uh, but it was a character who couldn't read mm-hmm. making a confession. And, uh, and basically the, the person was instructed, like they were read the confession. This is what you said. Okay. And the person couldn't write either. So they couldn't even like sign their name. Yeah. So they were instructed to, I think it was called leave your mark. Yeah. Yes. Leave your mark. Yep. Yeah. And so uh, that's more or less like what they, what yeah. They yeah. We get that information drop and then we cut to the courtyard and that's when Al says, Hey, small victory. At least we're not, they're not admitting the confession until after lunch break. Right, right. So right. now they're in the courtyard, everybody it's, it's Shuggy it, brings them lunch. Yeah, it's an extra palooza as yeah. as everybody in the courtyard. And this is where because we talked about Miss Shuggy's acting uh, uh, previously. Uh, to her credit, she has a weird transition in this scene. Yeah. That she has to make with her dialogue. Because she grabs him, and at first she's happy to see Leonard. She greets him. I made this. I made this. Honey chicken. Honey, h- honey chicken, potato salad, potato. Yeah, and your favorite flavor of potato salad. I was appalled, <laughs> and then she transitions into that. It was like she's happy to see him. What the hell did you do? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It just in the dialogue, it was a weird. Well, the, it was a weird know, cut. the great thing here too is that uh, Sam then almost immediately starts packing the lunch back up. She's like, "What are you doing?" He's like, "I'm." Taking Lila some lunch, and it's just like I'm taking I'm taking Lila some of your chicken if she'll have it. Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. I love uh, that line. Cause, well, because Shuggy is taken to calling her the whore as well. Yeah. You know? well, what, what's interesting to note is that yes, in this scene, Shuggy calls Lila again a colored whore, mm. and Sam corrects her, and she shoots back, "I haven't said anything you haven't said." Yeah, Ooh. yeah. Which right. which is our indication that you know Leonard. Eh, Right, probably, probably not the the nicest guy either. Well, sure, because I mean that's the thing. It's like why why else would the uh, the captain enlist Leonard to be the guy that takes on the case? That, you know what I mean? Like, there's, sure. there's a lot there that obviously says that Leonard was probably probably not. Uh, yeah, you know, yeah, not on the, the not right much, side of not, things. Not much better than anybody else. Yeah. yeah. So the the captain arrives, and in short, he like well, very nice with a smile on yep. his face. Uh, pretty pretty much says uh, if if Leonard doesn't turn this around and stop doing what he's doing, he's never going to work. Yeah, at least for money. 
Uh, well, because cause doesn't he say something about, like, because he starts off with, by saying something along the lines of, like, well, Miss Shuggy must have a nice inheritance or something like yes, that. Yes, yeah. Seems like, no, it's like, oh, well, you, you got a job out of the city. No. Are oh, you planning to retire early? And yeah. yeah. No, you know, it's just like, he's saying all these, you know, things, just trying to kind of, like, work his way into being yeah. like, well, then we got a problem. Because the only work you'll be doing is pro bono. Yeah. <laughs> As a kid, I honestly, I think this is where I learned that the term pro bono meant for free. For free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is a good part in that scene also where the captain takes a piece of the chicken, um, and I don't know about you guys, if, like, somebody just reaches into your plate to take some of your food, I'm usually like, get your motherfucking hands off my food. <laughs> yeah. What that says to me is that he's so big in that town that he can do literally everything he wants, including show up at your picnic and, without asking, just take your food. Yeah. Well, I get the idea that the captain... Captain's just like he would do that anywhere, anytime, oh. anybody's food, and get away with it. Most oh. people be like, "Can you believe? Oh, the captain took my food. I'm so oh. glad!" Like, <laughs> oh, you yeah. know, like oh. he likes my chicken. Yeah. Uh, so then, after that, we get back into uh, holding, and this is where we get the story that Miss Sadie had actually saved Lila and her family from the bayou, or yes. rescued Lila from that from that life. And that. Because this is where Lila has the stuff about the Christians being thrown to the lions, lions and Sam yeah. comforts her, and she tells the story about her mom having to bury 14 children Red, in the bayou, yeah. and, like, yeah, and, and, and how Miss Sadie did, yeah, she rescued yeah. them and got them out of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, and this is, uh, go ahead. Well, and again, I think she just, with some of the things that she says and the way she says them, she kind of just reinforcing that sort of thing, like, you know, it was my fault, sort of. I, you know, I was too irresistible to him, sort mm-hmm. of thing. You know, just kind of keeps playing into that whole thing. And almost to the effect of, like, there was nothing wrong with the way things were. Mm-hmm. Almost. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, she's almost just kind of saying, like, I should have just stayed there and kept letting everything happen. It would have mm-hmm. been fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this is where, at the end of the scene, she she breaks down and starts crying. Sam is comforting her. The guard or the bailiff, or the guard walks in. Yes, and this is something where I will I will admit. Dennis and I talked about this a little bit actually before uh, we started taping today. And I I don't have a problem with this scene at all. I totally get it. Like the guard seeing her. There's been you know a lot of people have made the suggestion that there was something going on between Leonard and her because that's the only reason that he's standing up for her now and all this sort of stuff. But when he comes in, he's like, "Oh, Leonard." And then that's it. There's no follow-up yeah. on it. I felt like that was just the slightest, smallest. I'm going to be a little nitpicky because it's otherwise a wonderful, fantastic script and episode. But I just didn't get why how there was no follow-up. See, to like, me, how was there no how was there no follow-up see, on this? To me, that doesn't bug me because I, I felt like all of the other characters had already implied that that Leonard was sleeping with Lila or wanted to sleep with Lila. It was just a, a confirmation of what everybody knew, and there was nowhere to go after that. Like they they weren't they weren't gonna they weren't gonna drag that into the rest of the story of of like oh Leonard is definitely doing something with Lila. But I think they could have put a five minute piece in there where he goes home, 
where his wife was like, I heard what you did. Or or if this had happened a little bit earlier and then we'd gotten the follow-up of like another character being like, you know, oh well, we heard about what happened in the cell. Are you you know, are you mm-hmm. sleeping with her or something like yeah. like because because it's the last thing we see and it's the last time anything is said or made up about the two of them doing anything together, mm-hmm. it just it just falls flat for me. Mm-hmm. And instead it just feels like it feels like another moment to just be like make us uncomfortable by the racist guard implying dirty things. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. I'm not it even sure he was racist at that moment. Well, like, <laughs> if you walk in uh, on a lawyer hugging his client, I would jump to some conclusions. Yeah, I guess it just, I guess the thing is, is it, it, ends, up, it ends up feeling like nothing to me. So mm-hmm. there's a part of me that's like, why is it there at all? Because there's no follow-up. Yeah. Yeah. It's fine. I'm being nitpicky. Okay. Again, I think it's a fantastic script and a fantastic episode. Mm-hmm. It just made me think like, huh, okay, that's that. I expected there to be something else and there wasn't. Okay, cool, let's mm-hmm. move on. Yeah. They could have even thrown it into a counter-argument about how unfit of a lawyer he was. Sure. Because he's so-called had relations with his client. But we've got 50 minutes, so... We yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so also up to this point, we get back into court. Uh, if, if Lila won't take the stand, if they can't produce any other evidence, the confession is going to be read in to the records. It's read into the records. Uh, then we get the scene of, of Sam sitting in the empty courtroom, goes to the bench, get the Bible. Uh, Al shows up, and they have this, uh, this conversation about, you know, why do you take an oath on the Bible? Um... Or why would you be afraid to take an oath on a Bible? Yeah. And if you are a God-fearing person, and you are afraid of telling the truth... Right. And, you know, it's a great scene, and it's one its one of the things that I, I'm interested in as a whole, and it continues to keep cropping up, more than, quite frankly, I even ever took notice of it when I was younger and watched the show, how much the idea of God specifically as an entity does play into the show. Um, because as the show goes on, I do feel like it gets a little bit further away from that. It becomes much more God, time, fate, or whoever. But in these early days of the show, as you've mentioned before, Dennis, it does seem like they're steering a little bit more into God. And this is just an interesting little moment for Sam and Al to have with, you know, with the Bible and with what happens uh, later with Myrtle, for instance, like there's, there's just something about the way that, um, I don't know, there's, there's something about the way that they're using it, uh, for lack of a better word, utilizing, you know, the Bible and God, uh, within the context of these episodes that I really appreciate, Hmm. especially as being someone who probably would have to identify as agnostic. So, mm-hmm. like, for me, like, I'm really, like, I really appreciate the way that it uses, that it's using that, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I, I like think it. the way that they use it here is that um, if they're going to use the Bible for evil, they should also show how it can be used for good. Yeah, actually, that's mm-hmm. a really great point, Chris, because, yes, yes, and, and because of what happens a little bit later with Myrtle, that's a perfect way... To, to say it, absolutely. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yes, and we were talking about this off mic before. Like, the, the scene that we have here, Myrtle shows up. At first she thinks that Leonard is praying. Um, Didn't mean to interrupt your praying. Did yeah, praying. Yeah. And again, like Sam presses her, like, why Why won't you swear on the Bible? And and basically we find that the, that the captain has has made her fearful of swearing on the Bible. And that's when Al pulls well, out. Well, 
But also, didn't the captain make her promise to God that she wouldn't tell, that she wouldn't, like, that was, like, that was what it stemmed from. It's like, oh, that's the right, captain yeah. made her swear to God. Yeah. So she thinks that she's already made an oath to God, so she can't break said oath to God, and yeah. she'll go to hell. And that's when Al shows up. Uh, with, with yeah, that's when Al, yeah, uh, Galatians 5, 7 through 10. Uh, I do have a version of the Bible on my tablet, but it's only the King James version. So the verses are very, I'm just reading them over them right now. They are sure. very, yeah. Uh, pretty much like they they hit the same the same gist yeah 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 that, that, that what Sam reads uh, but it's you know the the language of the the King James version but basically this is uh, 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 Al and Sam lawyering uh, right. the cap oh outlawing the captain <laughs> right. via via the Bible and with, yeah with the Bible and it's great too because the thing is is we already know the captain is a despicable human being yes and now not only are we are we able to say the captain's awful but we're also getting Myrtle specifically is getting this validation from her source of faith saying that if if basically if a wicked person you know, makes you take an oath, that oath is no good. Mm-hmm. And so I'm here to tell you that you should absolutely do the right thing in this case. Like, this oath is, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and I just, I don't know, I really, really like it. And like you were saying, Chris, this is a wonderful way of saying, like, the the, the evil that people sometimes do in the name of religion, mm-hmm. uh, balanced out by the good that it can do. And, and, and just having them sit side by side for a moment, and Sam and Al using this you know, this verse from the Bible as a way of saying, do the right thing, Myrtle. Mm. Do the right thing. My other nitpick, though, is this is the last time we see Myrtle. So it's just sort of like, uh, oh, okay. So she didn't do the right thing. Yeah, in well, a way. Yeah. But she... Yeah, yeah. We're, as we're going to get into the next scene, right? Uh, Without spoiling anything. So, so, to get, <laughs> so to get back into the next scene, uh, like they're they're back in court, but Sam isn't there, and there's like we're like we're, we're like you know what do we do? They can't really proceed uh, without him, right? And oh, I think they they almost get to the point they're going to proceed without. They him. are, but before we get to that, let, let's just make one thing clear though. After Sam does use that Bible verse on Myrtle, it is clear that Myrtle is going to tell him what he needs to know. Yes. The interesting thing is, and this is a great thing that I think that, you know, whether it was the director or the script, whoever decided to do it, Deborah or Andy, kudos to you, because we don't get anything from Myrtle. We don't see her or hear her telling Sam what he needs to know. Absolutely. We just now know that Sam has that information. Yeah. And it's 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 really well done, and I feel like that a lot of times, even in Quantum Leap, that the tendency would have been to show us that. Yeah. And he didn't need to. There we go. So good for yeah. you for not. Uh, so yeah, so the next day at court, Sam isn't there. They can't figure out what they're going to do. They're about ready to, to start proceeding without him. That's when Sam shows up. He is ready to call his first witness. Uh, I, there's like this great like, like small little moment where Lila says to Sam's like, thought you, you know, I didn't know if you were coming back. And Sam's just like whipping off his jacket like, thought I gave up on you, huh? Yeah. It was just like a, a nice little... It is a really nice moment. And yeah. you know, one thing I will say is that the relationship, like, like Scott Bakula and Tyra Farrell work really well together throughout mm-hmm. the, the entire episode. Yeah. Um, and again, like she's just really good at this episode. Yeah. Like start to finish. Um, and, and, you know, even in the scenes where she doesn't have anything to say, she's still just very good. So, yeah. Uh, so, uh, so yeah, so now the defense needs to start making their case. And just based on the first scene, you think he's going to call Myrtle mm-hmm. yeah. to the stand. No, he calls his Miss Sadie. Yeah. Uh, and there's an uproar. Yeah. 
Ah. Courtroom goes into an uproar. Even Lila yeah. says, do not, you can't do this. Yeah. You can't call her. The captain, of course, is irate. Yeah. This cannot happen. The judge is like, I will not allow this. And that's when Sam... Sam brings out. He's like, I thought you would say that. That's why I went to Baton Rouge. I got a subpoena. I got a federal marshal. Like, Sam... Yeah. Sam is not working. Observe here. Number one, uh, Miss Sadie's dress is fan <laughs> fucking. <laughs> oh my gosh, she is clearly the best dressed person in the town, and she shows it off with just a radiance of sweetness and joy. Everybody fucking loves her. Yes. And then the second thing is when they have the subpoena. The captain refers to the judge by name. Yeah. Something that is never done in any courtroom ever. Mm-hmm. Any regular person, mayor, governor, even if the president said to a judge, what was the judge's name? Andy or something like that? Oh, I just had it in front of me and then I was. So if he says to him, he calls him, he refers to him by name, that judge would be like, Eugene. You will refer. Yeah, 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 Eugene. Eugene. Yeah, that's it. Said, yeah, Eugene, Eugene, you got to yeah. stop this. Yep. Eugene mm-hmm. should have been like, uh, "No, I don't." I'm yeah, judge. I'm the judge. Right. Yeah, and it's your honor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah. And speaking of which, real quick, Sadie, uh, Miss Sadie, is played by Kathleen Noon, um, and and again, I mean, it's very, it is very effective her performance. She's done a lot of stuff. Uh, still, you know, working today. Uh, she has a stand on Dexter, lots of soap operas, uh, which makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Passions, All My Children, Days of Our Lives, Sunset. Beach and it goes on and on and on. She's done lots of soap opera stuff, but Miss Sadie, um, if you're listening, you're sweet as pie. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah. So while while Sam has called Miss Sadie, like yeah, Lila specifically says, "Don't do this to her. She's not well. The gun went off by accident." Uh, yeah, drops all this down. So what? Yeah, what's the story we are about to hear? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love when she gets on the stand. Leonard, you look a mad haggard. <laughs> yeah. The captain, there's a shot of the captain. He just looks pale like he's about uh, to lose his lunch. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, and so, yeah, there's, a, there's this line where they're, where they're starting off where basically they are, they are acknowledging uh, right here on the sand that Houston and Lila, whatever label you want to put on it, they were, they were having a relationship. Yes. Houston wanted to, wanted to marry um, well, and there's this interesting, you know, we get this interesting bit where it, it's clear that Houston, in his mind, did indeed love Lila. Yeah. And that came along with a lot of self-loathing because she was black. Yeah. And and it just, you get the idea of this just hateful, horrible human being, mm-hmm. you know, who who obviously took what he wanted, how he wanted it. And whether or not you can call what what he felt for her love or not, that's certainly up for debate. But because she was black, he would not allow himself to... to yeah, and, yeah, and instead went to hating himself for it, which made him hate her. Yeah. You know, we get this... It's 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 really, you know... Yeah. So as Well-drawn Ms. picture. Yeah. So as Miss Sadie is talking about this, Bo, the prosecutor, like, he tries to stop it. Miss Sadie has a great line. Now, hush, Bo, the milk is spilled. Let's just get it over with. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Miss Sadie. Uh, and so, Miss Sadie, she points out, like, she had given Lila money to leave. And started they were saying life. goodbye. That's when Houston came home, found out she was leaving. Houston came home from hunting, found out she was leaving, flew into a rage, started beating Lila. Miss Sadie tried to stop it. She was afraid she, for Lila's life. Life, yeah. Flung, you know, flung her into the Schiffero. Yep, into the Schiffero. And uh, this is a point as she's telling the story. Betsy pointed out 
she is literally clutching her pearls. (laughs) (laughs) And she's telling the story. And then we get the shocker. That's when I picked up the shotgun. Yeah. And this, ladies and gentlemen, is when the women fainted and the men lost their mind. <laughs> yes, <Yeah>. sir. <laughs> and and yeah. you can't, you know, there's this great, there's this great reaction. And, 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 you know, kudos to all the extras in the room that day. Because mm-hmm. there really is this great reaction where she says, like, I grabbed the shotgun. And, like, you can tell the whole courtroom is just like... <gasps> But instead, but there's no uproar yet because yeah. it's just sort of like what's coming next. Sorry. But you can feel the tension yeah. in the room, and just yeah. like all of a sudden, like, you feel buttholes clench. Yes, yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Like me and Nicole had the exact same reaction. Yeah, when she said, "And then I grabbed the shotgun." We were like, "Oh!" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, every it's like if you don't see this twist coming, it's yeah, yeah. Well, and, and, you know, and, and it's again. I think one of the really interesting things, because to me, there's a there's a there's a novel there about the relationship between Miss Sadie and Lila, because Lila immediately is just like, you know, it was an accident. She didn't mean it. She didn't know yeah. what she was doing. Like Lila is is defending Miss Sadie. You know, yeah. just cannot fathom what's going to happen next. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, it's just it's 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 a great it's just a great moment where mm-hmm. you know again we we figure out that. His own mama killed him. And, yeah. Was you know, the, 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 goddamn G. See, because like, I remember, I remembered the big twist of this episode that that she was when he did it. That's why I picked up the shotgun. Yeah. Like the the line that gave me chills rewatching it last night because I forgot. Like because of what we're gonna find out here in a moment, Miss Sadie doesn't realize what the trial is actually about. Right. Because she says the line. So you see, Judge Lila didn't steal the money. Yeah. I gave, gave it, it to her. her. Yeah. She thinks Lila is on trial for theft. Yeah. Because the next line is, and I'm sure Houston will tell you that as soon as he gets home yes. from honey. Yeah. And that's when, and that's when immediately, like, I just turned to Jess and I was just like, like, she has had a break with reality. Yeah. She is, you know, in shock after, you know, shooting yeah. her son. I do not believe that we are seeing the real Miss Sadie. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but, but I do believe we're getting the truth, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 and so it's just interesting to me because like I said, there's, to me, there's a fascinating like Southern Gothic novel waiting to be written about Miss Sadie and Lila in Houston before, oh, God. before he gets yeah. shot, you know? <laughs> yeah. Deborah Pratt, if you're listening. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Feel free to write it. Yeah, I'll pick that throws, up. Yeah. Throws, throws that novel. And then like, uh, Scott Bakula, Sam has this look on his face. Like he, he didn't see yeah. this coming. Right. He, yeah. Which that's also really great because, even though Myrtle told him, you know, a version of events that would have liberated Lila from, you know, from any sort of guilt. Sure. He did not even know that this was what was coming. Sure. So that means she left it out in her yeah. version of events. Yeah. Which, but, but you have to think that Myrtle knew. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Which, you know. which also says to me that, like, Miss Sadie was such a nice person that everybody... And the entire, I want to say, county yeah. what would have protected her. Oh, yeah. Well, but, you know, here's the fascinating. So here's what I'm going to say, because I think it's going to answer the question on your face right now, Dennis, because I can okay. tell you've got it. I think what Myrtle ended up telling Sam is that there was a fight that Houston was beating Lila, 
and that, you know, she shot him in self-defense, but that Miss Sadie was in the room. I don't yeah. think she knew that Sadie killed Houston. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that she knew that Miss Sadie was in the room when yeah. it happened, and, and that's why Sam called her as yeah. a witness. To, to get past this whole, everybody's trying to protect uh, Miss Sadie from having to understand. Yeah. Yeah. And so and so he thought that Miss Sadie was just going to confirm that Houston was beating her and that it was self-defense, but when she comes out with I grab the shotgun, then yeah, of course even Sam's like, "Holy shit." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And the thing is like like to the credit like they they could have made this a weird moment like I like they could have done like that's when I picked up the shotgun cut to the look on Sam's face, yeah. but they didn't. Yeah. Like, they got everybody else's reaction, and yes. then it's at the end you see the look on Sam's face, yeah. where he's like, well, this, this, and, is, this is news to me. And that's what I, I, you know, I gotta Where go is Al this in this, by the way? I know, right? Like, Al, Al is not in the rest of the episode. Like, he's and, not, and it bothers me, and I'm going to get to that in a second, but... Like, but, it doesn't bother Mike because I just now realized it, yeah. but yeah. But I'll tell you why it bothers me in just a second. Again, it's a tiny little thing and takes nothing away from the script, but it bothered just me in the context of the show as a whole. But one of the things I do want to emphasize again that I mentioned at the beginning is the camera work specifically in the courtroom scenes is so good. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, it yeah. really is. There are some really wonderful, like, pans and just, I, and there's some just great camera work within the confines of the courtroom. Yeah. Um, and this is another episode that I think looks great on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. Uh, there are some, there are some scenes, like, outdoors in particular that just are, like, really beautiful mm-hmm. and, and, and look better than I yeah. think they've probably ever looked. Yeah. Can't speaking, speaking, speaking for the next episode, yeah. honestly. Uh, it, 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 it's a small thing, but I did notice, like, like uh, to jump way back when the captain is driving Sam home, uh-huh. there is one shot, it's just as they are pulling up in front of the house, I don't know what it was, but the camera was just, like, really super shaky for this one particular pan, yeah. and I was just like, usually, like, I'm someone, like, I don't notice the camera work unless it's really great or really bad. Sure. Uh, which is how it should be. Right. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was just like one particular shot. I was like, the camera is it's shaking. And I wonder if that was like, like a weird transition to DVD or Blu-ray that, that that's why that happened. That, yeah, I don't know. That That's a really good question. It could, could very well be, though. Uh, but anyway, so we, we get the, the confession, such as it was. Uh, then, then we cut to... Uh, Lila waiting for the bus. Yeah. We get a lot of exposition in this scene. Sam shows up, and some time has passed. Like, at least a week or two has had to have passed. Uh, Yeah. Uh, Because we get, like, Leonard got a story in his picture in a Baton Rouge paper. He's got an offer from a huge law firm. They accepted it. Miss Shuggy's all happy because because the new job comes with a country club membership. Yeah, he'll role play for the rest of the week. Yeah. Oh, uh, and you've got it now that I think about it. You've got to imagine that 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 just sent her over a rapturous game. No, it did. Oh yeah, yeah. Pecan and pie, a rough pecan pie, for weeks. And, <laughs> and Sam was like, "No, I'm good. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go sleep. I'm gonna go sleep in the guest bedroom." Yeah. Um. Um. And then the bus arrives, and Lila says she's gonna give. Just send money. I'll send you money. I'll pay you back. Yeah. Yeah. Until I like I, I had this moment where she said, "I'm just going to keep sending you money until you tell me it's enough." And then like what we learned about Leonard earlier is that he's not a very good guy. And I'm like, no, I no, you're going to be paying him for life. Right. Right. And then right. Sam says, "No, we're even. We're square." Leonard gets back. And he's like, "Why do I keep getting checks from Lila?" Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're even. We're square. Here's a reader. Here's yeah. a reader. You Learn can do to anything read. you want. If you if you learn how to read, yeah, and it's just a really beautiful scene, and I and I just love it. 
I do. I just, I, I love, I love her, you know, when she gets the book and the look on her face. Cause again, and this is a credit to the actor, cause this is not like, you can say whatever you want about the script or the direction or whatever, but this is purely Tyra Farrell. When she gets mm-hmm. that book, she goes through so much mm-hmm. in such a small amount of time without saying a word. Mm-hmm. And it's beautiful. Yeah. There's doubt, there's fear, there's shame, there's gratitude, and it's all there and she does it and it's a beautiful moment and it's like if people want if people want to know what acting is, like that's it right there. Just mm-hmm. like little moments like that. Sure. You know, and it, and it's like, you know, the you know, Sam has given her this book and this object and this this thing to touch and feel, you know, this tactile moment and and she just imbues it with so much more than that and it's really nice and um and then she gets on the bus. Mhm. And By the way, go back and watch this if you can catch it. The bus driver looks like a oh my God. creeper. I know. I said that to Jess. I said that to Jess. I was like, I what? Was like, the mirror, I don't, dude, I don't know. It, it was just like he had this huge, scraggly beard and these big glasses. Like He looked like the Unabomber as a bus <laughs> yes, driver. Yes. And it's just like the creepy look he gives Lila yeah. and Sam as she gets on the bus. I'm like, you're going to die. It's like, where the fuck did Central Casting come up with this dude? <laughs> and, I, and I'm like, I'm thinking like, oh, he's just in the back background like he's not gonna be in focus whatever they didn't count on blu-ray yeah right 30 years later um uh, but but then she um she and and how far we still have yet to go but she of course goes to the back, back of the, of the bus. bus uh and sam runs to the back window and he's like you know you gotta promise me you gotta promise me she sticks her head out the window and she says so help me god, god. take a drink and it's episode it's, title yeah, right <laughs> um but it's just a great moment Here's where my next little nitpick comes, though. And again, I really do want to say total nitpick. I love the episode. I, if there's one, if this was a missed opportunity, and it goes back to what you're saying about Al, if there was one episode where I would have loved to have Al come in with Ziggy and the hand link and just say, Ziggy says she goes on to blah, 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 blah. I would have fucking loved that. Yeah. And it's like, you know, we, we got it in Thou Shalt Not... You know, we've got it in a couple of other episodes of season, but it's not yet become the standard that it will become throughout the rest of the series. And it's just like, man, if we could have just gotten that here, I would have mm. loved that. Yeah. You know, Leonard started working at the Southern Poverty Law Center, you know, and, and yeah. Lila went on to become a school teacher. And I know Leonard's not going to change, but I'm just saying. Sure. Right? Yeah. One can dream. For sure. Absolutely. After the aliens adjusted him, I'm sure it was, yeah. he came back a much more liberal fellow. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Sam leaps, and this is one of those, like, we get a very accelerated, uh, version of events, and we're going to see from the next episode, yeah. and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, 50 seconds till places. Yeah, and the, the director dude is just... Or, or whoever, yeah. We'll talk about that next episode, it was like, yes. like, roles of who is what yeah. in relation. Is he the stage uh, manager, is he a producer, is he the director? Director, yeah, what is he, yeah, and, uh, Sam is about to go on stage. Yeah, he gets... Thrusting costume, yeah. it's a book thrust in yeah. his hands. The last night, yeah, break a leg, gray. Yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Here we go. <laughs> I would say just as far as, and I, I'm more sympathetic to this, being being an actor and being in the theater world, like, this is one of those, like, fish out of water moments that, like, I was, like, particularly sympathetic to. I'm like, oh boy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. And, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode, but I, I mean, I imagine we both have stories. I mean, I have a story that is very similar to what happens in this episode. Like, down to get a costume on him, get him to the stage, and then the other act... He wasn't drunk. But then the other actor being like, 
I can go on, you know. Like I've had I've had the moment that, that Sam slash Ray has. Oh so. I'm looking forward to hearing that. Can yeah. I say something about the Lila Please? Oh yeah. Kudos to the wardrobe because she looked fantastic. She did. Yeah. Like, it, it's almost like all those times everybody in the town called her a black whore. Yeah. She looked like the purest she looked like a saint yeah Mm -hmm. and whoever did the wardrobe even with her on the back of the bus saying so help me god yeah Mm -hmm. she looked like heaven she did Mm -hmm. she really did you're absolutely right i think that the the transformation of of lila from how we've seen her in the court and certainly how other people have talked about her to seeing her in that final scene there's there's a peaceful quality to her that is that is really really nice you know mm-hmm. and, and yeah i dig it absolutely final thoughts uh, I, I was gonna say like you know i've gotten used to typically like we record like two episodes at a time so i watch you know so we watch like two episodes yeah at a time uh and uh so between this one and, and catch a falling star which i i have more fond memories of and i feel like i watched more uh i i forgot like just how strong of an episode this episode like really is. Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think I had I had kind of forgotten that as well, um, and and uh, I'm really glad to have watched it again. Um, it, it you know one of the things that I keep getting reminded of, especially with this season of episodes so far, is that when they've got it right, the pacing and the episodes just fly by. Mm-hmm. You know, and and and. I can't say that for every hour-long drama that, that I watch or have watched recently. So, mm-hmm. I mean, the pacing in this episode is very well done. I feel like we get a, a good mixture of scenes. You know, we learn um, we learn a lot about these people in, in limited exposure. Mm-hmm. Um, Deborah Pratt won an award for the, the script. The Angel Award, which looking stuff up I can't find. It's an excellence, an excellence in entertainment award. I yeah. cannot find any more information about it beyond um, that. You know, I mean, well deserved. I mean, she she will continue to be and has been, you know, one of the stronger writers on the show. And um, I think uh, that this is just another, you know, high mark for her. So, mm-hmm. so good for you. Yeah. Uh, and and again, the performances. You know, I think for the most part, we, we get some really great performances and see some really great stuff. And you know, whether you want to like the characters or not, and hopefully you don't. Uh, in most cases, yeah. uh, <laughs> the, the performances are really well done. So and even um, the heat yeah. itself was a character. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah, that's a great point, Chris. That's such a great point, actually, because you know it's one of those things that I think that sometimes you can definitely forget about uh, uh, whether you're an actor or, or a director or whatever, and, and, and weather is so important and it informs so much of our behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and you're right, it is. It is. It is very much a character in this episode. Um, so yeah. Chris? I'm going to go home and make some honey chicken. <laughs> Dude, that sounds awesome. <laughs> we'll come there afterwards. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anything else to add? Nah, that's nah. it. All right, cool. Chris, thank you so much, man. Thank hey, you for joining us once again. Good to have you back here. Uh, and uh, we will be talking at you soon about Catch a Falling Star. Star. Yeah, we'll be right. here. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed what you've heard or have any questions or comments, Don't be shy. Reach out to us online at fwwquantumleappod.com or Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Fates Wide Wheel. And remember to hit the subscribe button and leave us a review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you may be listening. Until next time.
I want to stay. 